Welcome to Long-Term Care Radio with Brian Ott. Spend this hour with us learning how you can protect the people you love from the financial, physical, and emotional consequences of an extended health care situation. Because of new state and federal laws, there are new and exciting long-term care planning options available. As a certified long-term care planning specialist, Brian Ott will help you make sense of your options. Now here's your host of Long-Term Care Radio, Brian Ott. You know, last week on the podcast, I hit a nerve. Uh, The title of the podcast was Whose Money Is Your Money? And if you missed that, you can always go back and listen to it on our website at 525longtermcare.com. Now, my point was, in many cases, when people with assets end up incapacitated, you know, in a long-term care situation, a lot of times your wealth, your money, becomes somebody else's money, especially mentally. It becomes the possession of the people who are in line to inherit that money. And most of the time, it's the kids. Now, I got several responses um, by email. I mean, it kind of lit up. Like I said, we hit a nerve. Um, but a lot of people are just confirming horror stories, saying, yeah, like, you know, their sibling, their brother, their sister, or one of the kids was doing this or a family member. Um, and, and usually it's children. Again, it's people that are in line to inherit that money, start trying to get access to money that you know really isn't theirs yet. And again, most of the elder financial abuse in this country is a direct result of family members. That's where the overwhelming majority of, of the financial abuse comes from. So, um, and in fact, when I think back about this personally, I have, I have a good friend. I remember when I met him, this was 15 years ago. He was just telling me that his uncle had got caught. He had basically stolen over $800,000 over a five-year period of time from his grandmother. And the way they found out about this was that the grandmother did not have the funds in her checking account to pay for the nursing home that she was in. She was in a very nice private nursing home. And my friend was saying, yeah, you know, granddad left her plenty of money and had her set up so that she would be taken care of for the rest of her life. And next thing you know, it's like they're having problems bouncing checks. And so they started investigating this. And his uncle had taken over $800,000. He was power of attorney. He had used his mom's money to buy things like boats. A uh, new pickup truck. He gambled a lot. So all that money was just simply gone. He did some improvements to his house. And when he got caught, he ended up having to go back in. And they were like, well, look, you you owe mom all this money. You got to pay him back. Well, he didn't have the money to pay him back. Most of it was gone. You know, the, the boat and the pickup and truck just were worth a fraction of what he paid for. Him. So, you know, this is really tragic when and especially when someone is alive in and and they're in a care situation and they lose their financial they lose their ability to pay for that care they often will end up on the medicaid rolls and so that's just that can be extra tragic on that now on the flip side we're going to look at the other side of the coin this week because it's not always the case not everyone is a bad seed like my friend's uncle I personally have met some just wonderful people who are going above and beyond with both their time and their finances to take care of a loved one that's in an extended care situation or a long-term care situation. And in fact, statistically, if we look at this across America, half of Americans who are in long-term care situations are relying solely on family members to provide that care. And if we look at the total population, so half rely 100% on family members, two-thirds of people that are in long-term care situations are relying on family members to provide at least some of that care, meaning they may be using paid health care workers along with family members throughout the week. And in fact, I have a client that's doing that right now. She has her daughter that's providing some help during the week, and then she has paid caregivers that come in um, on the other days where her daughter cannot help her out. And in fact, one of the fastest growing areas uh, for senior care in this country has been adult daycare centers. These are actually daycare services that are provided for seniors. You know, we're familiar with daycare for kids. Well, this is daycare for seniors. So if you need respite care for a few hours or you need some place to take a loved one while you work, like we had a colleague that did this, dropped dad off at the adult daycare every day, and then she picked him up on the way home and took care of him the rest of the time. Um, that is what these facilities do. And there are also many families who use licensed healthcare workers to provide care for a loved one in their home while they work, and then, then they pick up the duties when they get back off work. So this is something that we see where families are taking on caregiver roles, but they're not being the full-time caregiver. 
Now, regardless of how you go about it, using a family member for at least part of your care needs is more common than not. And again, go back to the statistics. Two-thirds of people are using family members for at least part of that care. Half of people in long-term care situations are relying on family members for 100% of their care needs. Now, the overwhelming majority of caregivers providing for care or providing care for family members are doing so without pay. This is just the the pure, brutal truth of this. Um, That may sound like no big deal on the surface, right? Because a lot of us will, oh, I'll take care of your mom, I'll take care of your dad, whatever it is. A lot of us believe that and and we want to do that out of the kindness of our heart. But the real problem isn't the fact that the family member is not getting paid for, for providing those care services. The real underlying problem is that most of the people who step into that caregiver role are giving up income from other sources, mostly from their job. They're working less hours. Um, and oftentimes they end up having to quit their job altogether to satisfy those caregiver needs as those needs escalate. So, in fact, if we look at it, that, you know, caregivers as a whole that are working, it's, there's a pattern that starts out, and they've just been tracking this for years and done all this study, and they, that's why they say it's a long-term care situation. It's a billion-dollar hit on this country on productivity. Because what happens is the people that are stepping into that caregiver roles, what they'll do is they'll use their vacation days first. Then they'll use their sick days. Then they'll use their paid family leave days until they run out of that. And then they have to start reducing hours, otherwise just missing work and not getting paid for it. And many times they get themselves in a situation where they just have to walk away from their job completely. And this is where it gets costly. Now, I know there's many listeners out there to this podcast right now who have already done that because we get these calls all the time. You know, it's like a lot of times it's like a husband and wife, the wife will stop or the husband will quit working to take care of one of the loved ones. And then that puts the financial pressure on the other person who is working full time. But being a caregiver can be costly. And we think of a cost financially, but also physically and emotionally. It is a very demanding job. Now, again, most people receiving long-term care services from family members don't have the resources to replace a child's income when they quit that job to be the caregiver. And when you add up the wages, the social security deposits, the Medicare taxes, the 401k contributions, the health insurance, you will see it can get very expensive very quickly if you're trying to replace someone's income. Because remember, when you give up a job, you're not contributing to Social Security anymore. So that's going to affect your Social Security income down the road. And you're not contributing to your 401k. So that's going to affect your retirement accounts. And so there are, there's a lot of, outside of just the fact of like, I, I'm not getting my wages anymore, there's also a lot of real financial hit that many of these people will suffer. So most family members, quite frankly, they're just not getting paid. They're not getting paid from their job and they're not getting paid by the family members to provide that care. Now, what if you're wealthy? And maybe that means that um, you have the ability to pay a child or another family member to be a caregiver for you. That's, That's great. And there's a lot of people in that situation. But there's a more efficient way to do that than using your own money. And that's what I want to talk about on the podcast today, paying a family member with long-term care insurance. Now, first and foremost, the overwhelming majority of long-term care insurance plans out there do not allow you to pay a family member or what they call informal care. Most of the insurance policies that are written, most of the insurance policies that are in force today require you to use a licensed agency for home care or to move into a licensed facility. So adult uh, family home, adult daycare, um, assisted living facility, something like that. That's what the vast majority of policies require. Now, I said most. This is probably one of the most overlooked benefits of a handful of carriers that are out there, and they're all of our asset-based plans, is that we now have options available that will allow you to pay for both formal care, meaning those licensed healthcare workers and facilities, as well as informal care, which means family members or friends, somebody that you trust. You can even use your benefits to pay for both at the same time, which means you can pay a family member for doing some of the work part-time, and you can pay a licensed healthcare worker to come into your home if that's what you choose to do. So I'm um, looking at the clock here. Let me squeeze in my first break. But when I return, I'm going to explain how you can set up a long-term care insurance plan that will provide you tax-free income that you can use to pay a family member or any licensed facility of your choosing. I'll be right back. Long-Term Care Radio with Brian Ott. 
providing valuable insight to protect you in the event of an extended healthcare situation. Learn more by attending one of Brian's free live webinar classes this month. Sign up now at 525longtermcare.com. 525longtermcare.com. Finding a secure investment in this financially volatile time seems tough, but crazy financial times also create smart opportunities. One of these smart opportunities is long-term care insurance from 525 Advisors. If you reposition some of your savings and got three times your investment in long-term care coverage tax-free and got all your money back if you never used it, wouldn't you at least want to learn more about it? Well, you can. Join my friends from 525 Advisors for their next free long-term care planning live webinar. Go to 525longtermcare.com and sign up. You'll learn about smart ways to self-insure, including new plans with guaranteed leverage that turn every dollar into $3 of long-term care coverage tax-free with every dollar back if you never use it. Don't wait until you're older to get long-term care coverage. Look into this opportunity now from 525 Advisors, one that gives you a secure return. Go to 525longtermcare.com and sign up for the next free live webinar. That's 525longtermcare.com. The fact is most of us have known somebody who needed long-term care. That's when a person reaches a stage in life requiring somebody else to help with basic daily activities due to physical conditions or a cognitive disease. Now, most of the time, long-term care starts in the home, which allows the individual to stay in a familiar setting. The price for long-term care can be expensive, and it could go on for years. Financial experts suggest purchasing long-term care insurance before you retire. Why? Because 7 out of 10 65-year-olds will need some sort of long-term care in the future. If you've never looked at long-term care insurance because you didn't know where to start, now you know where to start with 525 Advisors. 525 Advisors, local experts specializing in long-term care insurance, and they have plans that are guaranteed to pay you back if you never make use of them. Protect yourself and your family members from the financial cost of extended health care. Go to 525longtermcare.com. Sign up for the next free long-term care live webinar with Brian Ott. Go to 525longtermcare.com. Are you confused about the best way to protect your family and savings? Get answers now by listening to Long-Term Care Radio with Brian Ott, certified long-term care planning specialist with 525 Advisors. All right, and we're back, and uh, thanks again for tuning in to the Long-Term Care Radio podcast. I've got uh, one more class coming up this month. That is on the 24th of August. That's the Thursday. That's going to be an afternoon class. And so that kicks off at 3 p.m. Pacific time, 4 p.m. Mountain time, 5 p.m. Central time. You guys can just do the math and work your uh, work your way back. But uh, that is Thursday, the 24th. And again, you can get that information at 525longtermcare.com. Now, this week on the program, I want to talk about how you can use long-term care insurance to pay family members who are providing care for you. And this is such a big, big deal because, again, the overwhelming vast majority of people rely on family members for their care, but the vast majority of those families, not only are they not getting paid providing that care, many of them are walking away from jobs or reducing their hours to be a caregiver and step into that role. So right out of the gate, you need to understand that not all long-term care insurance plans will allow you to pay family members. This is, this is one of the most common questions I get. Can I pay a family member to, to provide care for me? And in fact, there's very few that actually do, as in three. There's, out of all the carriers we work with, we have three long-term care insurance carriers that allow us to use the money to pay family members for care. All three of these are what we call asset-based plans, meaning that they're going to pay you back or pay your estate back if you don't use them. So they're asset-based plans. They can be funded in single lump sums, or they can even be funded over time for like five years or 10 years. And I've even got uh, one carrier that will go out 20 years or what they call lifetime pay, which is to age 100. So there's lots of different ways to fund those. But the unique thing that we're talking about is that they're going to allow us to pay family members for providing that long-term care. Now, let's back up for just a second. The idea of long-term care insurance is to have a defined bucket of money to pay for care when you need it. Like most insurance money, the money that comes out of that long-term care insurance plan is not considered income. Instead, it's a tax-free benefit to you. And it's the same with car insurance, right? Uh, you wreck your car, you get a check, it's not taxable income. Your home burns down, they give you a check to rebuild it, it's not taxable income. Life insurance, medical insurance. My point being that the benefits from insurance policies are generally tax-free to the individual receiving that benefit. 
Long-term care insurance is no different. So when you file a claim, your monthly benefit, the amount of money that you receive to pay for care is not considered taxable income to you, but instead is a tax-free benefit that you can use to pay for those services that are needed. Now, most long-term care insurance plans are defined as reimbursement policies. And what this means is that the insurance company is reimbursing you for the cost of care up to your monthly limit that you set up. And again, when I I talk about long-term care insurance, I want you to picture a bucket of money. When you set that policy up, you're deciding how much money is in that bucket. I want $500,000. Next thing you're deciding is how fast can I take money out of that bucket? I can take $10,000 a month out. So if you had $500,000 that you could take $10,000 a month out, that policy would last you a minimum of 50 months. That's all they're doing. So when you hear three years or four years or two years of coverage, that just means that's the minimum amount of time a bucket of money would last you if you're pulling out the maximum benefit. If you're pulling out less benefit, the policy is going to last you a little bit longer. So that's what happens. We're, we're setting up that bucket of money. We're getting a benefit. And at the end of the year, you're going to get a 1099 LTC. So just like the 1099-I is what we get from the banks that tell us how much interest we earned, a 1099-R is what we get at the end of the year when we're taking money out of retirement accounts. A 1099-LTC just gives us a total amount of money that was paid to us for out of our long-term care insurance contract. And there's going to be a box on that 1099-LTC checked reimbursement if it's a reimbursement policy. The 1099-LTC gives us the lump sum of how much the insurance company paid out over the course of the year. There's no other paperwork that is required on our end. There's nothing else we have to do for tax considerations. The 1099 is just provided to us. We just throw it in with our tax papers. The insurance company has taken on the responsibility of verifying the charges that are paid. Otherwise, the money that they paid you meet the IRS guidelines for qualified long-term care services. Okay? So that's a reimbursement policy. One of the key things to understand with reimbursement policies, they are for formal care only meaning licensed agencies or facilities who provide care. So a licensed healthcare agency that will come into your home, that's fine. Or you move to a licensed assisted living facility or adult family home, somebody that's licensed. That's what we mean by formal care. That's what reimbursement policies allow us to do. You cannot pay a family member or what they call informal care with a reimbursement policy. And I'll say that with a grain of salt, like there's a traditional plan out there like Mutual of Omaha will say, hey, you can take 25% of your benefit. So if you have $4,000 a month of benefit on reimbursement, they'll say, well, you can either have that on reimbursement or you can have $1,000 in cash. But outside of that, you're, I mean, you're still walking away from it. And there's another asset-based plan that gives you a choice of reimbursement or cash, but they reduce the cash benefit. So as a general rule, just remember that reimbursement policies are meant to pay for what we call formal care or licensed healthcare workers. So if you want to pay a family member, you need to make sure your plan is what we call an indemnity policy. And that's just a fancy word for saying cash. You'll, you'll hear us say that interchangeably, indemnity or cash benefits. Cash benefits are just the key. That's what allows us the ability to get the money and pay for informal care because the receipts are not required by the insurance company. Simply put, once you trigger your claim, and it's triggered the exact same way a reimbursement policy is, I need help with two activities of daily living, or I've been diagnosed with a cognitive impairment. So I trigger my policy. You're going to go through the paperwork with the insurance company. You're going to get your claim turned on. And then what's going to happen? The insurance company is going to send you your full monthly benefit. And again, you do not have to prove how much money you are spending. You are going to receive your full monthly benefit. And that benefit is going to be based on the way you set your policy up. So again, if I had $500,000 in my bucket and it was $10,000 a month, a cash benefit plan would just start sending you a check for $10,000. Now, in theory, you could say, hey, I only need 5000 and you could just keep the rest in your bucket, but that doesn't make a lot of sense in cash policies, and we'll talk a little bit about that later if we have time. Because, you know, here's one of the key differences that you have to understand on this. There's no receipts required on the cash benefit program. This is what allows the person the flexibility to hire who they want, which means they can pay a family member for providing care. This, again, is called informal care which is the way most people in long-term care situations are receiving their care. Again, half get all of their care 
through informal care family members, and about two-thirds of the people receiving at least part of their care as informal care from family members. Most family members are providing that care. They're not licensed. They're not formally trained to be caregivers. This is why the insurance companies look at this, and they, they, they look at this definition, and this is where it comes from formal versus informal. If you have formal caregivers, that means that's somebody that's trained and licensed to be that caregiver. A cash benefit policy gives you the full monthly benefit once you trigger your claim. You do not have to provide those ongoing receipts to receive your benefits like you do with a reimbursement policy. So if that's the case, why doesn't everybody just get a cash benefit program? Everybody that's getting an asset-based plan, I should say, why don't they just get a cash benefit program? Why would you bother with receipts if you don't have to? Well, let's Peel this onion back a little bit and dig in a little bit deeper. Remember, you don't get something for nothing ever. And there are some key differences in indemnity or cash policies that you need to know, and they work differently from reimbursements. First off, there's zero audit trail. You're going to start receiving your check. There is nobody at the back end at the insurance company that is verifying the charges that are coming in. Whereas on a reimbursement, if Visiting Angels is coming in and they're you know, sending a bill for $7,800, there's somebody at that claim specialist at that insurance company that's sitting there going through that line item to make sure, hey, why are they charging for 16 hours of grocery shopping? You know, we have a lady that just called us the other day. They're charging $130 for medication management. She takes one pill in the evening. And all they do is they charge her $130 a day to come in. So there's somebody in the audit trial that's going to look at that and say, hey, wait a second. You know, you don't need to pay that 130 bucks. If it's just one pill, you can take it yourself. So there's no audit trail with cash benefit plans. At the end of the year, you're going to get that 1099 LTC, but it's going to be checked indemnity instead of reimbursement. There's two boxes. And if it's checked indemnity, that means you've got to fill out the form 8853 at the end of the year and send that into the IRS when you do your taxes. And simply put, that is just how much money you've received and how much money you paid out and to who you paid out. And so that's what the IRS is going to require. So that's going to have to be done by you. Now, when we're talking about this, you you hire somebody, you become an employer. So keep that in mind. That's what's different, right? If I hire an agency, well, that's an employee of the agency, of the licensed healthcare worker. But if I hire my neighbor's daughter who's out for the summer at college, I become an employer. So there's some things that you just need to understand about that. With being an employer comes taxes and liability, meaning if you fall and you hurt that person, you're liable for it. And if you're going to pay them wages, you got to withhold taxes on them or they have to pay taxes because they got to go out and get a business license or something because the money to them is not tax-free. So remember, the money to you is always tax-free, but when you pay somebody, that is income to them and they have to pay taxes. So you also need to make sure you have a trusted power of attorney when you have a cash benefit plan who can handle your finances because that money is just rolling in. The money just rolls in regardless of how much you are spending. And so you got to make sure that you have somebody there that you trust because that is just extra cash that's coming in. And I will just tell you, back in the 90s, there were a lot of traditional policies who paid indemnity benefits. They just paid those cash benefits. Years later, they start studying these policies, and what they found out is people that had identical policies that paid cash and identical policies that paid reimbursement, the people with cash policies ran out of their money. They exhausted their money a lot quicker. So they're more expensive to the insurance company. You can see that because they're just guaranteeing that they're going to spit all this money out. But what happens on a reimbursement policy is if I have $10,000 a month of benefit for, say, four years, but I'm only spending $5,000 a month. Well, guess what? My long-term care policy is going to last me eight years because I I get to exhaust the entire bucket of money. But on cash benefit plans, they're just pushing out that full $10,000. You're going to exhaust your policy in four years. Now, if you only needed five and you were banking the other five, which would be the smart thing to do, you would have that money to pay for care moving forward. But what happened? A lot of families got involved, and guess what? That money never got used for care. It got used for cars and home improvements and different things. And so you just have to be aware, like I say, two sides to every coin. Cash indemnity policies, their strongest benefit is you can pay family members, but you have to understand that there is a downside as well too. However, if you're moving into a facility and you're going to use that, then guess what? You can It doesn't make any difference because that facility is going to provide all the receipts you need. Hey, let me sneak in a quick break for the news. And when I come back, I'm going to introduce you to Mark and Julie, and I'm going to show you how we set up a cash indemnity long-term care plan and how it will work for their situation. I'll be right back. Avoid the mistake of paying unnecessary taxes, guarantee the quality of your care, and preserve your legacy and wealth. 
by setting up your own tax-free long-term care plan. Learn more by attending Brian's free live webinar class. Sign up now at 525longtermcare.com. This is Long-Term Care Radio with Brian Ott. Listen and learn information from a certified long-term care planning specialist. You can email your questions to radio at 525advisors.com. All right, and welcome back. And uh, thanks again for tuning in to Long-Term Care Radio. Uh, Bottom of the hour, it's time for our client of the week. And uh, this week on the show, we're talking about how do you pay family members for long-term care. And so I've got a client of the week that's just going to kind of fit in with that. And my clients are Mark, who is 69, Julie, who is 64. They are both retired. They're proud parents of two and extra proud parents or grandparents of four. They came to us looking for options to help pay for care should they need it. And they have kind of a unique situation. So let me give you a little bit of background on Mark and Julie. Mark and Julie recently sold their family home. And they're buying a new home together with their daughter and son-in-law who have two very young children. Their goal is to age in place and to live with them and be involved with their grandkids. And, you know, they're just one of these families. They get together. So that's what they're doing. They're going to buy buy a home together, and they're going to hopefully live their life there. And when they pass on, then they will just leave their half of the home to the to their daughter. And so that's really what they're trying to do. Now, their concerns and the reason why they came to us is they want to be able to pay their daughter if she has to quit the job, especially to care for them. And so their daughter's like, yes, I'll take care of you, mom and dad. That's not a problem. You know, my husband and I were both working, but we'll, we'll make it happen. That's That's what everybody's going in thinking. But they also don't want the family's income, you know, to or their standard of living to be affected or to decline if one of them end up in a care situation. They want to be able to pay for a facility if one of them need to move into an assisted living facility or a memory clinic or something like that because their, you know, the home isn't the best place for them. And they want to be able to protect their remaining assets so that they can divide that among other family members. And so this was you know, doing some big planning. And I will tell you, this is becoming more and more common where parents are moving in with children. That's uh, Those numbers are up, especially since COVID hit. So uh, here's what we found about Mark and Julie when we started talking with them. Both of them are in good shape physically. So that gave us a lot of options. And again, you know, 69, you know, you, uh, again, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. The problem with aging is that you're a doctor visit away from becoming uninsurable. But Mark was still in good shape. And so was Julie. You know, they had some basic medications like blood pressure and some cholesterol medications. But outside of that, no issues at all. Mark has a pension, small pension. He was an educator. He also has Social Security. Julie will start taking her Social Security in a few years. She's going to take it either at 66 and a half or she might hold off. It just depends where they're at. They don't really need it right now, but she will have Social Security as well coming. They have cash savings from the sale of their house. Um, They have retirement accounts set up. They, you know, believe that, you know, doing the numbers, their cost of living, excuse me, is going to go down dramatically. They're going to go from having two cars down to one car. It's going to reduce their property taxes. It's going to reduce the insurance. They're going to divide that up and split that stuff with their daughter, and they're not going to have any mortgage payment at all. So their cost of living is going down. They will not have a mortgage payment. Excuse me. Yeah, a frog in my throat right in the middle of my podcast. So here's what they wanted from a plan. They wanted to be able to pay for care without draining their savings, number one. They liked the idea of being able to pay their daughter and their son-in-law if they end up providing the care for them. And they wanted enough benefits to pay for a facility should they have to go to one without, again, draining their savings. And they like the idea of repositioning just some of their assets they have right now. They don't want payments, so that's something they wanted from a plan. They like the idea of just saying, okay, let's just reposition some of this money and set up a plan. And they also love the idea of that money coming back to the estate. You know, Hopefully they get lucky. They never need their long-term care. The money's not wasted. Their money's going to go to good use, and they'll get that out to the family. <clears throat> so here's what we did for them. We, we looked at asset-based plans, of course. Uh, traditional plans don't do any of that. Traditional plans, you just pay until you go on claim, and if you don't use it, you don't get your money back. Asset-based plans, again, are the plans that are going to pay you back if you never use them, and they're also the plans that give us the most flexible ways to fund them, everywhere from a single lump sum payment to ongoing guaranteed level payments. So that's a big difference with these asset-based plans. 
So here's what we're going to do for them. We're going to reposition some of their savings. In fact, what we did is we worked backwards from a benefit amount, and we ended up settling on a single deposit of $262,743. So $262,000. And this is just coming out of cash savings that they had from the sale of their house. And so this was something they had readily available. They weren't worried about selling stock. They weren't worried about using retirement accounts. They just used cash savings. Now, what this is going to do for them is going to give them a bucket of long-term care insurance worth $800,000 day one. Each of them can pull out $7,500 a month if they need long-term care until they exhaust that bucket. So this is a joint plan. And when I say joint plan, we're not dipping into each other's policy. It's just one big policy. It's one big bucket of money, but we each can pull out the full monthly benefit. So they've really got 96 months of coverage. If one person was on claim pulling out the maximum benefit, they've got basically four years of coverage if they both went on claim at the same time and pulled out the full monthly benefit. But that's not really how insurance works. It really what you got to remember is that it's not about four years or eight years. It's about you exhausting that policy. So the theory is we're just calculating minimum times a policy would last if you pull out your maximum benefit. Now, $7,500 a month is what they can pull out today. But here's what we did. They're, they're you know, healthy. They're in good shape, 69, 64. We're going to put an inflation rider on it that is going to grow the amount of money. So it's going to grow that $800,000 by 3%. And that's a compounding rate. So it's going to compound 3% every year. But it also grows that monthly benefit, $7,500 by 3%. And it's going to do that every year for the next 20 years. Now, Using a 20-year inflation rider, this is something that's kind of unique to a couple of the different carriers that are out there. But it's really, I mean, this is a sweet spot, right? Because if you look at where Mark and Julie are, Mark is going to be 89 years old in 20 years. And so what we're going to do instead of having lifetime inflation, meaning that it grows forever, we're going to say, well, we're going to cover the next 20 years because that's already going to push you guys into your late 80s, early 90s. And then it's going to cap off. And so what will happen is that inflation rider is going to continue to grow the benefit for the first 20 years. So if we go out and we say, hey, let's look at year 10. They've got a little bit over a million dollars of long-term care insurance in their bucket. They can each pull out $9,786. Go out 20 years. This is where the policy is going to cap out. After year 20, they will have $1,295,000 in their bucket of money. They can each pull out $13,151 a month until they exhaust that bucket of money. So that's how that benefit grows. Now, remember, they put 262 in. If they never use their policy, they get lucky. $270,000 is paid back to the estate. Now, if they left the money where they were for 20 years and they got some interest, yes. Would it be worth more than that? Yes, but they wouldn't have the insurance. That's the whole idea. We're going to trade a little bit of interest for some insurance. You're putting 262 in. You're getting 270 back. That's tax-free to the estate, by the way, as well, too. I will just tell you, folks, I would insure everything in my life that way. I I would do my homeowner's insurance that way if I could. If I could just pay $5,000 a year for 10 years to have my home insured, and then if it doesn't burn down, I get my $50,000 back, I would take that deal all day long. And so that's really what this is doing for them. And statistically, they will use it for long-term care insurance. There's 92% chance when you have a married couple that somebody will use long-term care insurance out of that household. Now, other features about this plan, if they never use it, they get that 270 paid back. If they use less than 270, the difference is paid back. But let's go the other way. Let's say that they use, you know, that we go out 20 years and they use that $1.295 million of long-term care insurance. They use every single dollar on care. Well, when the second person passes away, $27,000 is going to be paid back to their estate. So that's what we call a guaranteed minimum death benefit. I call it the funeral fund. You know, because I don't know what it's going to buy 20, 30 years down the road, but you get a check for $27,000 paid back either way. So they could, I mean, think about what they're doing. They're putting 262 in. They could use $1.3 million essentially, and they're still going to get a check for $27,000 paid back when, when the second person dies. Now, other features about this policy, which are really cool, retroactive elimination period. So elimination period is the period of time, you know, just think of it as a deductible period. I go on claim today, most traditional pay-as-you-go policies say you got to pay for the first 90 days of care or the first 100 or the first 180. The standard is 90. And that comes back from way back in the day when they defined long-term care as an event that was expected to last 90 days or more. And so that's kind of where they got that set up. And then it went all the way through the courts. And then they finally came back and said, 
it doesn't have to last 90 days. It just has to be expected to last 90 days. So if you have a stroke and the doctor says, yeah, you're probably going to be in rehab for a year and you heal up in 60 days, well, technically you could still use long-term care insurance money for that. So, But that's where the 90-day came from originally. And another part of it too, if you remember back, I was talking about the history of long-term care on a podcast a while back, talking about how the original policies were just nursing home insurance because remember, Medicare would pay up to 100 days of skilled nursing. And so the goal was you just uh, the doctors would you, you'd work the system, try to get Medicare to pay the first 100 days, and then you'd have long-term care insurance to come in and pick up where they left off. So that's kind of where all that comes from. But what this policy does is they're going to pay the first 90 days of care, but then starting on month four, they're going to get a check for four months. So let's just go out and just let me look at their table down here and just say, okay, they're going to be at about $10,000 a month when – they're 79 and 74. So if one of them's on claim at that point, they would pay $10,000 a month for the, or they wouldn't even pay that. They would just pay for whatever the care was for the, they'd get their care. They could even get it from their daughter for the first 90 days. And then starting month four, if their benefit was $10,000 a month, they would get a check for $40,000. And then every month after that, as long as someone was on claim, they'd get the check for $10,000. So that's how that retroactive zero day elimination period works. Um, the other thing that you need to really understand about this policy is it's a cash benefit or it's indemnity. So what that simply means is they have the flexibility to pay a family member, right? There's no receipts required. Once they go through the claim process, they're going to get the policy turned on. They will start receiving their monthly benefit every month. They do not have to prove who they're paying or how much they are paying for care. They're going to get the full benefit. So that's the cash benefit. That's the indemnity option. That's what allows them the flexibility to pay a family member if they choose to do that. They have care coordination on this policy from day one. So that means that when they start that long-term care event, they can still get a care coordinator to come in and maybe, you know, if they need a physical therapy and they need to go through the system and the plan of care with the doctor, they can do all that. They can get that care coordinated paid, paid for from, from the start. And again, the best part about these policies when I think about it is that if you're using formal care, so you're moving into a facility, there's no really extra paperwork. You got to do the 8853, but your CPA can do that because you're going to have all the receipts from the caregiver agency and you know, right at the end of the year. They're just going to say, yeah, I, I moved into XYZ facility. I spent $10,000 a month. They're going to say, yes, you spent $120,000 here. So that's pretty easy. If you're hiring a formal caregiver to come into your home, they will be providing receipts. So you'll have the paperwork. The only thing where it gets tricky is if you hire somebody from the community. If you are just in a household, like what we're doing here with Mark and Julie, and they trigger a claim, and maybe the kids are managing all the help, and maybe it's Mark that needs the care, and Julie's helping out, and their daughter's helping out, and the son-in-law's helping out, and everything's going fine. Well, they can turn on that policy, and they can just start bringing in that monthly check and deposit into their checking account, and then they can distribute among family members how they want. So that's how most of the people pay family members. But if you do actually go out and hire somebody, just be aware of that you you become an employer. That's something to keep in mind. But really, what does this do for them? Number one, it gives them the ultimate flexibility. It gives them the choice to pay for care in a wide variety of situations. Hopefully at home, they're buying a home together with their kid. They want to stay there. But they have a peace of mind. If one of them has to move out, one of them has to go to a special memory clinic, then guess what? They have resources, so they're not going to have to drain their savings to pay for that care. So just a wonderful policy, tremendous flexible policy. Again, as a joint policy, this is relatively new. We did not have joint cash indemnity policies until about a month ago. So this is uh, always used to be two separate single policies. Well, now we can do a joint policy up to age 70, which is just fantastic. So Anyway, I'm looking at my clock here. Let me sneak in a break, come up for air, but stick around. I've got a little bit more. I'll be right back. New asset-based programs protect your savings and your family and even pay you back if you never use them. Make sure your care is funded and managed in a time of need. Learn more and sign up for one of Brian's free live webinar classes at 525longtermcare.com. Finding a secure investment in this financially volatile time seems tough, but crazy financial times also create smart opportunities. One of these smart opportunities is long-term care insurance from 525 Advisors. If you repositioned some of your savings and got three times your investment in long-term care coverage tax-free and got all your money back if you never used it, wouldn't you at least want to learn more about it? Well, you can. 
Join my friends from 525 Advisors for their next free long-term care planning live webinar. Go to 525longtermcare.com and sign up. You'll learn about smart ways to self-insure, including new plans with guaranteed leverage that turn every dollar into $3 of long-term care coverage tax-free with every dollar back if you never use it. Don't wait until you're older to get long-term care coverage. Look into this opportunity now from 525 Advisors, one that gives you a secure return. Go to 525longtermcare.com and sign up for the next free live webinar. That's 525longtermcare.com. Hi, this is Brian Ott with 525 Advisors. Over the years, I've had the opportunity to protect many people and their families with long-term care planning. However, I've also seen how long-term care events devastate families and turn the last years for the family into their worst years. Many people believe the downside from a long-term care situation is limited to financial loss. Yet often, it's the emotional damage that lingers and hurts the family members the most. Watching a loved one go through their savings is one thing, but watching a loved one lose their dignity is far worse. Long-term care insurance provides a dedicated source of funds to help pay for your care when you need it. But more importantly, it provides you with a team of trained professionals that will help you and your family manage your care. Learn how you can stay in control of your care options, maintain your dignity, and protect the people you care about most by attending one of our upcoming live webinars. Sign up today at 525longtermcare.com. That's 525longtermcare.com. Staying in control of your care options is a better alternative than letting the government decide for you. Welcome back to Long-Term Care Radio with Brian Ott, Certified Long-Term Care Planning Specialist with 525 Advisors. All right, and welcome back. And uh, thanks for sticking with me if you've been in from the beginning. Um, and if you just tuned in, today on the podcast, we're really just talking about how do we pay family members with long-term care insurance? And it's a very common question that I get. Can I pay a family member with long-term care insurance? And you can, yes, but you have to have a cash indemnity policy. And that is just the way the policy is designed. And you that's just three carriers out there that do that. So you don't go to just any carrier and tell them, I want a cash indemnity. They either offer cash or they don't. And I don't have any, there's there's one carrier out there where you can choose at the beginning, but truthfully, the vast majority of carriers are reimbursement. And then we've got three other carriers competing with each other in the cash indemnity space. The one main takeaway on that is that you can pay family members, but they are limited policies. You cannot get lifetime benefits. And so that's one of the trade-offs you're going to get with that. Now, you know, many family members believe that um, they can take care of a loved one, especially a parent. And this is, you know, they go into this with with good intentions. And many times that level of care that they need is greater than what the family can provide and safely provide. And maybe the setting is not ideal. And we really need to, you know, think this through when we're talking about, you know, all the time. But people, you know, say, why don't you get long-term care insurance? Like, oh, my family's going to take care of me. Or my daughter said she'd take care of me. Or my son said, you know, I could move in with him. So a lot of people go in there, but I don't think a lot of these people understand the extent of what long-term care situations are. Yes, if it's just a matter of you know cooking an extra meal and doing an extra load of laundry, it's like, yeah, we could all do that. That's no big deal, right? But that's not really what long-term care is. And long-term care journeys can start out slow and they can escalate very quickly. And if we go back to our client of the week, you know, think about this. If, if, if Mark and Julia, their whole goal is to move in with their daughter and their son-in-law and be part of that family. They got two young grandchildren and they want to spend their golden years just being part of their lives and going to soccer games and doing all those things you do and band practice and just be part of their kids' lives and their grandkids. And that's great. And I wish more people would consider that. I think there's a lot of benefit to that. But what happens if one of them ends up in long-term care? Well, it's easy for the kids to say, don't worry, I'll take care of you. But again, it's, you're not house-sitting a dog. You're, 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 you're actually involved in someone's day-to-day care needs, and that can be a wide, wide range of needs. And so the problem is if someone says, yes, I'm going to take care of you, mom, it's like, well, okay, you think you can, but you might not be able to. And if you, let's look at somebody that is severely um, impaired from a cognitive impairment. So early onset Alzheimer's, especially for men, uh, you get cognitive Alzheimer's, you, you, you can become very aggressive. Well, if you're in a household with two young children, your kids and two other young children, having someone in that particular household 
that's aggressive and angry and they're suffering from cognitive impairment, that's probably not a good mix. And it's not probably the best place for that person. And so this is something you just have to be aware of. And so when we're going back, my point is we go back to to Mark and Julie. Yes, we can pay a family member with this cash indemnity plan. That gives us a tremendous amount of flexibility. But more importantly, when we're designing that plan, like a lot of people just say, well, I just I just need a couple thousand dollars a month to, to throw towards my daughter if I end up in a long-term care situation. Well, what if you end up needing to go to a memory clinic? What if you need to go to a special you know, adult family home that specializes in cognitive impairment? That's where you need to think that through because, yes, 100% people, kids, they have the great intentions. I will do what I can to take care of you. But if you've got two young kids at home and you've got a parent with Alzheimer's, that is not a good mix. And the other thing people forget about is people with cognitive impairments don't go to bed at 9 o'clock at night and sleep till 6 in the morning. They go to bed at 2 in the afternoon and sleep till 4.30 and then they're up. And then they, they're bouncing around and, and sticking things in the toaster at like you know, 3 in the morning. And so it's very, very hard when you're in a caregiver role for someone like that because you are now on their schedule. And so you just have to be aware of that, of there's, yes, go in with the great intentions. I want to pay my family members. My family wants to take care of me, but make sure that you're prepared in case that doesn't work out. Or you end up in a very, you know, a, a very severe situation that has a very high regimented, intense medication management protocol. The home may not be the safe place for you. You might need to get into some place that has skilled nursing. So just kind of keep that in mind. Now, Having flexibility with these cash benefit plans are great. And I want to talk about something else. When, when we talk about the paperwork and everything that's going through, what happens, what we learn is when we're just flowing that money into the account, yes, if you've got trusted advisors around you, you've got a power of attorney and they're handling your finances, okay, that's good. Where I don't like to see these cash benefit programs in play is if I've got a single, um, you know, you, very common, single woman, no kids, you know, no spouse. Okay. That's ah, kind of scares me because what's going to happen is she's going to go into a long-term care situation. It's whoever's the appointed power of attorney is going to have access to that money. And that's what they found with these cash benefit plans when they did a study on all the traditional ones that used to pay this. In fact, the insurance companies used to like it because they didn't have to do any of the paperwork on the back end. They didn't have to have a claim support team. They didn't have, everybody thinks the insurance companies are trying to avoid paying you. That's not really true. What they're doing with those claims with the audit is they're just verifying that the charges that you have against you are for legitimate services. And a lot of the fraud, in fact, the majority of the fraud, I just got back from the long-term care conference in Denver back in March of this year. A lot of the fraud that they're finding is also coming from these assisted living facilities and these caregivers, especially these in-home health care agencies, because what they do is they take your long-term care insurance policy, they get it to their, their management staff, they go through, they try to, oh, we're going to help you get this turned on. Well, they also find out how much money you have coming in. And so that's where you start getting charged $130 a day for medication management, which is taking one pill in the evening. So that's what the audit trail does on those reimbursement policies. It gives you that extra level of protection. So if I have somebody that isn't surrounded by family or members that they trust, I always want them to be aware of that. And I had a client that when we looked at these policies, he said, look, I like the idea of cash and not having to turn receipts in, but I want the audit trail. And I said, yeah, quite frankly, you're not turning the receipts in anyway. It's just the biggest difference is you're not able to pay a family member out of the long-term care insurance. You can pay them out of your money, but you just can't pay them out of that long-term care insurance unless it's a cash benefit plan. Now, when you go out and you hire somebody, you become an employer, okay? So that is something to be very aware of. As far as the money coming into you, let's say that um, the IRS gives us a, a few carve-outs here. Number one, the per diem limit, which is the per day limit, is $400 on a cash indemnity policy. So that means if you're getting roughly $12,000 a month or less, that's fine. The IRS is generally going to leave you alone. And I'm going to say generally, they could still come back in and say, hey, we noticed that you've got $110,000 from the insurance company this year. Where did you spend the money? And so that's why most CPAs will say, keep record of where you're spending that money. Well, if you're paying somebody because you hired somebody from the neighborhood or you, you're paying your kid, well, they come in and they audit you. You just got to be, oh, guess what? Nobody paid payroll tax on that. Nobody paid the Social Security. Again, the money that you pay somebody is going towards that's income to them so they that's taxable income to them so if you 
are using a cash plan because you think, oh, I can just hire anybody from the neighborhood. It's like, well, you, technically you can, but you become an employer and just be very aware of that. If it's money just flowing into the household, guess what? It's a lot easier because, right, that's just money coming in now. You're saving your Social Security. You're doing these other things. That's just extra money coming back into the household. IRS is probably just going to leave you alone. And if you are receiving more than 12000 by the way, that's not bad. It's just that the IRS says, look, now you got to fill out another form and just verify where the money is spent. And if it's not on legitimate long-term care services, then you just have to count that money as income and pay taxes. You don't lose the money. You just have to count it as income. So the IRS is just saying, look, $12,000 is kind of where we're going to set it. That's going to creep up a little bit every year. But we don't want you getting a $20,000 cash indemnity policy and you know buying cars for the grandkids and taking them on vacation and stuff with that with tax-free money. So that's where they say keep track of where you spend your money. So I hope you learned something from this today. If you do want to pay family members, yes, you can. And by the way, if I have a cash plan and I'm using a facility, I'm using licensed healthcare workers, it doesn't matter. In fact, the biggest advantage of that is you just don't have to provide receipts to the insurance company, but there will be receipts from someplace, you know, because if you're, if you're using somebody to come in, they're going to give you receipts, but you just don't have to turn those into the insurance company. So there are some advantages that way for these plans if you are using formal care. Um, I'm going to get to work here, come up with another show. Again, we have one more class coming up this month on the 24th. You can sign up at that, listen to all of our podcasts, learn more about long-term care options at 525longtermcare.com. I'll be back next week. You've been listening to Long-Term Care Radio with certified long-term care planning specialist, Brian Ott. You can download and subscribe to the podcast at 525longtermcare.com and learn about all the long-term care planning options available. If you have questions for Brian or would like information about any of his upcoming long-term care webinars, go to 525longtermcare.com. Be sure to join us next weekend for another edition of Long-Term Care Radio with Brian Ott. For information, show schedules, and podcasts, go to 525longtermcare.com. Do you know that 7 out of 10 people past the age of 65 need at some point some sort of long-term care? That's 70%. Now, many of us think it could never happen to us or somebody else is going to be there to take care of us, but the facts are clear. Most of us will need to pay for help in the future. And not only is that help expensive, but it puts a burden on family members as well. If you've never looked at long-term care insurance because you didn't know where to start, start today with 525 Advisors. Recent changes to the Pension Protection Act have made new programs more advantageous than ever. How would you like to get your premiums back if you never use your long-term care insurance? Well, you can. How would you like to leverage some of your savings for increased coverage using tax-free dollars? Now you can. 525 Advisors are the local long-term care experts. Protect yourself and your family members from the high cost of extended health care. Go to 525longtermcare.com. Sign up for the next free long-term care live webinar with Brian Ott. Go to 525longtermcare.com.